Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com.
Anytime we hear something exciting, anytime we hear good news, anytime we, we, we see something really cool that takes place, the first thing that kind of instinctively runs through our, our minds is that we need to tell somebody about that. We, we, we can't just kind of see something and, and take it in just for ourselves. We want to tell other people about what we've seen 
or what we've heard or, or something that we've discovered. It's just part of who we are. I, I was talking to, to my son Cam while he was in college last week, and um, while we were having the conversation, his roommate gets a text on his phone that explains that there are some cheap seats available for one of the IU games. Just so we're clear, my son's roommate in Tennessee is an IU fan because God is good all the time. So he gets this text that there are these great ticket prices on an IU game, and so he just gets the text, and the first thing that runs through his head as Cam's talking to me on the phone is to yell out from the back of the room, hey, Stuart, there's some great ticket prices for an IU game. He just couldn't help but say it because he had gotten the good news, and he needed to share it with somebody. It's just who we are. And do you remember when you, you got your first car? Do, do you remember your first car? When, my first car I got was a 1987 Honda Accord. And it was much later than 1987. Uh, but I love that car. That car was the lowest end Honda Accord that Honda ever sold. Um, it was a DX model. And if you know anything about Accords, it was actually, um, it only had one side mirror not because it had been into an accident, but part of the degradation of the lowest end accord was that you only got one side mirror. It was only on the driver's side. You had to pay extra to get one on the passenger side. And so this, this car that I had, it, was, it, it only had AM, FM radio, no tape deck, no uh, CD player. It uh, didn't have power windows, didn't have power locks, and it was a stick shift. And I loved that car. And as soon as I got it, as soon as it was mine, I drove it around to all of my friends' driveways and pulled into their driveway so I could tell them and show them this new car that I had, which was quite an event because I didn't know how to drive a stick, okay? So I was making my way around town, stalling at every light that I came to, trying to get to my friend's house so I could show off this new car. In my effort to, to share the good news, I went through a lot of miles and tore up a clutch. It was awesome. I love that car. But when we have good news, that's just what we do. We can't help but share it. It's just who we are. We are spread the word kind of people. We're good news tellers. And so with that in mind, I, I wanna point to one particular story that is part of the Christmas story. It's a very minor part of the Christmas story and it shows up in Luke chapter two. Luke's talking about the shepherds and, and in that one minor little story, here's the verse that we read. It says, when they had seen him, when the shepherds had seen Jesus, they spread the word. The, the message translation actually just says this. They told everyone that they met. Everyone they came in contact with, they just told them about Jesus because they had been shepherds. But now they had a message and now they had a mission. And they went from shepherds to being sharers. And as we look forward to Christmas, there's a lot of things that we look forward to, and we're in the middle of the season, and some of us are well into all of these activities that are part of this season. And this season is a time when we uh, are into decorations, and this season is a time when we're into cooking, and this season is a time that we're into baking, and this season is a time when we're into shopping, and it's a, a time when we're into wrapping up presents and, and getting them under the tree and getting them situated just so. But man, most importantly, this is a season that is about sharing. This is a season that is about spreading the word about Jesus. 
There is no other time in our year that is more convenient to us to share and spread the word about Jesus, to be sharers, to be inviters. God actually invites us right now to continue in the mission and the message that the shepherds had. So here's the full story that we find in Luke chapter two. And if you've got your Bible with you, I'd love for you to open with me and just follow along. You can use your phone or your tablet or if you have a Bible. Uh, Luke chapter two, and here's what we read right at the beginning of the chapter. It says this. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. Now, we probably know that part of the story, and we've probably heard that part of the Christmas story a lot, but what we may not be paying attention to, because we've seen it so often, is that Luke is explaining to us this contrast of power that is happening in the world, even though nobody knew about it yet. Because this is a story that begins with Caesar Augustus. With him making a decree that all the world should be registered, that all the world should be enrolled so that taxes can happen. He is in charge of the whole known world, and what he wants to make sure of is that everybody's on the list so that he makes sure that he can make taxes happen so that all this money can come in, and where does the money go? Well, the money goes to him. Because you see, Caesar was a guy who knew he had power. But Caesar was also a guy that really felt as though he was the good news for the whole world. That he was the good news that the world had been waiting for. We don't talk about this a lot, but during the same time that Jesus' birth was happening, Augustus Caesar was doing his absolute best to declare to everyone that he, in fact, was the savior of the world. He even had inscriptions put onto stones that have been discovered over time that described him, Caesar Augustus, as the savior of the world. It was inscribed on stones for people to see all over the world He declared himself to be a god. And then, through another ancient inscription that's been found in the first century, he even said this. See if this might sound familiar to you. The birthday of the god, that's Augustus, has marked the beginning of the good news, the gospel for the world. That's loaded language that Caesar Augustus is moving, that's the, is using, that's the kind of power that he believed that he had. That the birthday of Caesar would be regarded as the beginning of the good news for all of mankind. How many of you know when Caesar Augustus' birthday is? 
It was supposed to be remembered for generations to come because that was gonna be the beginning of, of, of good news of the savior who has come, Caesar Augustus. Anyone know Caesar's birthday? September the 23rd. I had to look it up, but it turns out Hallmark doesn't have a card for Caesar Augustus' birthday, for Augustusmus or whatever it is that you would call it. It's not out there. And yet there's another birthday that happened a long time ago that's still going pretty strong. And I think it would be surprising to Caesar because Caesar had all of the money and Caesar had all the clout and Caesar had all of the power. And see, here's what Caesar believed. It wasn't just arrogance. Caesar had convinced himself that his reign in the world was the best thing that the world could have going for it, that it was, in fact, good news for the world, that he was now in control. He believed that he was going to bring peace to the world. He believed that he was going to bring prosperity to the world. And so he makes this decree that everybody has to return to their hometown. And in another part of the world that most likely Caesar Augustus had never visited, in a little town that he probably had never even heard of, a man that he would never meet named Joseph goes home. And it turns out that the hometown of Joseph's family was a town that in ancient prophecies had been labeled as the place where the savior of the world would be born. Bethlehem. Bethlehem, the, the, the name itself means house of bread. Bethlehem, the house of bread, and one who was born there in Bethlehem would one day say, I am the bread of life. If you're hungry, come to me, and I'll fill you up. Another thing that, that Christmas is just part of the season, at least for me and part of our traditions, it's, it's always been food. Food went along with Christmas, and food has gone along with Christmas. Maybe it's no surprise to you that food is part of Christmas for me, but, but when it comes to the season of Christmas, there's no other season in our year at least in our traditions, where food plays such a role, where the food that's part of the season is part of the season, and it reminds you of the season. And in our house, it was, it was sugar cookies and icing, and, and it was Chex Mix that you didn't buy in a bag, but you, you made yourself in the oven, or mom did. It was no-bakes, and summer sausage, and cheese. All the sights and the sounds and the smells in our house at Christmas just made it really, really clear that you were not going to go hungry during that season. In fact, there are all the different parts of it that are in the same home that I grew up in, but at Christmas that home took on a different feel. The, the electric candles in the windows. The manger scene with the little orange light in the back of it. You could crank up the back and it would play Silent Night. The little jingle bells that would hang off of all the doorknobs all over the house. The Christmas tree with the colored lights that we put up every year 
It wasn't like the convenient ones of now. It was branch by branch. Little colored tabs on the end of those things that always wore off like the first year. And then you had to guess, where does this branch go? And there was always at least one strand of lights that worked last year and it's not working this year. It's Christmas. It was in the same home, in the same house, but somehow at Christmas it all felt different. It was home. And even when I went off to college and even when I was in my first job after college, it was home that I wanted to come back to at Christmas. Because home was that place where it felt warm and home was that place where you just kind of felt like you were wrapped up in this giant blanket of safety. Because home is a place where you're supposed to belong. And home is a place where you're supposed to feel safe. Home is a place where love is supposed to prevail. But that's not always the case for everybody's home. In fact, for none of us is it always the case for our home. Because we live in this world that we're in. And because we live in this world, there are constantly things and moments that remind us that this world isn't safe. And there are constantly moments where just in different situations and in different compartments of life, every one of us has experienced the feeling of being excluded instead of included. And what we seem to notice more and more is that love doesn't always prevail in this world. And there is a a quest for home and a homesickness that kind of exists inside of us that this world will never, ever really satisfy. You and and I and, and everybody that you know. We were made for an even deeper, even warmer, even more wrapped up version of home. And Jesus came into the world talking about that home that was there for us. He he said, I I will not leave you as orphans. He said, my father will love them and we will come to them. And then he made this promise. And we will make our home in them. You were meant, amazingly, to be the place that God calls home. What God wants more than anything else is to take up residence in your life, to to make his home in you and for you to make your home in him. And ultimately, that's the message of Christmas. Christmas is an invitation home. And it is an invitation that was made for the entire human race. For all of humanity to come home. Jesus put it this way one time. He said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. 
Christmas is an invitation home. And Jesus would continue to tell stories about coming home. He would continue to tell stories about humanity, about the whole human race coming home. He would talk about a prodigal son. A prodigal son who would make terrible choices, who would wound his father, who would waste his money, and who would then go and and hit rock bottom in his life and experience so much pain by his own choices and would then come to the conclusion, I need to go home. He didn't even know if he would actually be welcomed at home, but he knew he had to try because anything was better than the life that he was living on his own. And so he went home, but what he didn't understand and what he didn't expect was that there was a father at home that was ready to run to him with outstretched arms. Jesus said, this is the heart of God for you. That no matter who you are and no matter what you've done and no matter who you've been and no matter how far from God you think you are living your life, God just wants you to come home. Jesus said, I just, I just want you to come home. And there are some of us who have accepted that invitation. There are a bunch of us who are sitting in this room who already know what it means to have our dwelling with God, who, who know what it means to have God taking up residence in our life and for us to be in him. And for those of us who have already made that decision, God continues to have an invitation to us because his invitation to us is to continue to tell people about what we have found, to continue to spread the news. Because not only is Christmas an invitation home, but we are inviting people home. Spread the word. Jesus, the savior of the world, is born, and anyone who wants can have a home with God. But I know what happens when I say this. When when the purpose of this season is that we're to invite people home, we get really busy this time of season, this time of year. There's all kinds of things for us to do. There's all kinds of activity to be involved in. There's all kinds of things that we should be doing. And we've talked about some of those things already that are part of the season. And maybe we think, you know what, I'm not sure that I have time to fit that in. Or we have an even bigger excuse that says, this probably isn't meant for me. That there's other people who are better at inviting people. There's other people that are better at telling people about Jesus, and we're gonna let them do that. That's not what it's about. It's about you inviting people home. But the excuses that go up are, well, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm the right person to do that. I wouldn't even know how to start. I, I, I'm just not very articulate with my faith. I don't know the Bible verses that I should probably say, and I think you've got the wrong person. I, I don't know that this is a good idea for faith in general, for me to be the one that's inviting people to, to come home, for me to be the one who's telling people about Jesus. I'm just not sure how I would even start that conversation. I really don't feel adequate. Which is why we're talking about the shepherds today. Because the shepherds were the first guys to spread the word. The shepherds were the first ones who had the responsibility of telling other people about Jesus. 
Now, we think about the shepherds, and, and we think of them in kind of a sentimental way. We think the shepherds as gentle, humble. We think of them as just, you know, guys that everybody would want to hang around. When we think about the shepherds, we might think of them as maybe a little dirty. They've got smudges on their face. They say it's dirt. We're not so sure. I'll let you think about that for a second. But all in all, we think they're pretty good guys. In Jesus' day, that's not how shepherds were thought of. In fact, rabbis had a list of the most despised and despicable occupations that people could have. That if people have this occupation, you need to stay away from them. On the list uh, that most rabbis carried around with them and showed to anyone who would ask, gamblers were on that list. If their occupation tended and trended towards gambling, that's somebody you want to stay away from. I guess that makes sense, but also on a rabbi's list were Pigeon trainers. That may seem strange, that pigeon trainers made the list of the most despicable and despised people. But see, the reason is, is that the only reason to train pigeons back then was to train them to race. And there would be pigeon races that people would gamble on and put money down on which pigeon was going to win. So actually, pigeon trainers were worse than gamblers because they were making people gamble on the pigeons. So pigeon trainers were on the list. Farmers who violated the Sabbath were on the list. That one's pretty self-explanatory within the law. But rounding out everybody's list were shepherds. Shepherds were typically regarded as dishonest, thieving, unreputable people. And so God very intentionally chose shepherds to be the first ones to bear witness to the birth of the Savior, Jesus. Why? Maybe for a moment, just like this one. To make it clear that if shepherds on the list of most despised and despicable occupations If they could be a witness for Jesus, then anybody can be a witness for Jesus. Because it's not about the credibility that you think you have or don't have. And it's not about how articulate you can be with your faith. In fact, it's not actually about you at all, which is the struggle that most of us have. It's about introducing people to the person and the Savior named Jesus. It's about spreading the word. It's about that feeling that I've got good news and I have to tell somebody about it. It's just what we do. It's the impulse that we have. And if we would be willing to do it over basketball tickets and junky cars, why wouldn't we be willing to share the good news and talk about what matters so much to us for something that matters so much to the world around us? One night an angel appeared to the shepherds and they were overwhelmed with fear and joy. And the angel spoke up and said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. There's that word again. Augustus tried to use that word. Didn't take. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Even to you, shepherds. Even to you who round out the list of the most despised and despicable occupations in the whole world at rabbis tell everyone to stay away from. Even to you, a savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the son of God. He, in fact, is the savior of the world. Not Caesar. See, Caesar was a pretty amazing name. Caesar was a powerful name. Caesar's name is great. In fact, there would be a time coming down the road when they would name a casino in Vegas after Caesar. It's an amazing name. But he's no Jesus. In fact, there are a lot of great names that exist even today. Very powerful names. But they're not Jesus. For instance, here's one, Oprah. Okay, we know that she's Oprah Winfrey, but we don't even have to call her Oprah Winfrey anymore. You just say Oprah and everybody knows who you're talking about. Is Oprah powerful? Yeah, she is. Oprah's so powerful that, that she makes careers for other people. When authors write a book, they would want nothing more than for somebody to take their book and put it into Oprah's hand. Because if Oprah puts your book on her list, it is better than being part of the New York Times bestsellers list anymore. She's powerful. It's an amazing name. But she can't save anybody. She's no Jesus. Another amazing name, and this one hurts, Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had like three Hall of Fame careers in the span that he's been on a football field. And he has ruined my life more times than I care to mention. But Tom Brady um, took the New England Patriots, who in my lifetime to that point had been most of the time the butt of all football jokes, and turned them into champions that for two decades of time, just about every year they were in the playoffs. Just about every year they won the AFC East, which happens to be where my Miami Dolphins reside, so they didn't make the playoffs. And then he took all of that success and all of that championship pedigree and he moved to Tampa Bay and did the same thing there. They won the Super Bowl last year, which just proves how smart he is because Tampa Bay is a lot warmer than Boston. He's pretty powerful on the field. But he may be even more powerful and more successful off the field. Is he powerful there? Well, Subway seems to think so. They're willing to pay him all kinds of money to be on their ads for like three seconds. Tom Brady's powerful. That name is powerful. But he's not Jesus. He can't save anybody. Here's another amazing name, Taylor Swift. Does Taylor Swift still have power? Unbelievable power. If you date Taylor Swift and then you break up with her, she will write a song about you that will tell the whole world 
how big of a scum you are. Taylor Swift is so powerful, she can write an entire album about a breakup, and then a decade later, when nobody cares, re-release that album with re-recordings and longer versions and songs that nobody wanted to be on the album, and everybody will talk about it. It'll be talked about on, on, on talk shows, and I can be watching football two weeks ago, and the announcers start talking about how they were listening to the Taylor Swift album, how great it was. I'm watching football. Is Taylor Swift powerful? Yes. She's an amazing name. She is not Jesus. She cannot save anybody. Because you see that there's only one name. One name in heaven and on earth who can save anyone. This is the power of the name of Jesus. Only Jesus can answer your prayer. And only Jesus died on a cross for you. And only Jesus can forgive you. And only Jesus can forgive your sins. And only Jesus rose from the dead and walked out of the tomb. And only Jesus can give you a purpose for your life. And only Jesus can give you hope beyond your death. And only Jesus can make his home in your heart. And ultimately, it's only Jesus who was born in a manger in Bethlehem and then lived among us and died on a cross and resurrected three days later who today, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world is still changing lives. Only the name of Jesus does that. And the word came to the shepherds that Jesus had been born. That the savior of the world and the beginning of the good news was within walking distance for them. And the first thing that came to their mind, Luke chapter two, verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And now here we are. It's the season of the birth of Jesus, 2021. And now it's not the shepherds. Now it's you and now it's me. And we have the good news of what only Jesus can do, of what only Jesus has done. And I'm asking you, as we start into this season, as we start into this series, I'm asking you to do something that's at the core of our vision and the core of our mission as a church. Will you spread the word? Will you tell the good news? Will you be a sharer? Will you be an inviter? What are you spreading? What is it that you're Sharing, what is it that you're inviting people to? When you invite, when you talk to people about Jesus, when you tell people what you have seen and what you have heard, you are inviting people home. Home to the warmth. And home to the wonder 
of the Savior who came to save the world. So spread the word and tell the good news. Unlike any other part of our year, any other season in our year, this is what we're here to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, only you can save us. God, only you could change the course of our life, could make such an impact on who we are 2,000 years later on the other side of the world. And it is only the name of Jesus that saves us. It is only the name of Jesus that can provide us with love and forgiveness and mercy and grace. And God, we thank you for this season that we celebrate the beginning of the good news. We celebrate the birth of Jesus into our world, but we know what more that means. We know it was just the beginning of what only Jesus could do and has done for us all. May we not just hang on to that for ourselves. May we be willing to share that good news and share that incredible story and share what only Jesus can do with the people that we meet through this season. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as the forgiver and the grace giver in your life, if you don't know his forgiveness and leadership in your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus and, and been baptized, today can be a day that you say yes to Jesus. Because no matter who you are, no matter who you've been, no matter how far from him you feel like you are, he is running towards you with outstretched arms because he wants you to come home. And maybe today needs to be that day. So we invite you to make that decision today to accept Jesus for the first time in your life. Or maybe that's a decision you've already made, but you want to find a church home to be part of as we all lean into God together. Maybe that's a decision that you need to make today. If, if either one of those decisions are resonating in your heart and mind right now, we, we invite you to walk right down these aisles here in just a second as we sing together. But for all of us, may we recognize that this is a season unlike any other in the year where we are sharers and we are inviters. We are the ones telling the good news that we can't wait to tell. May that even shine through in our celebration and our worship and in our praise to our God as we sing together right now.
Jesus asleep on the Salvation beginning to break I 